We read together to focus on where Jesus is leading. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now, let's read together. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds. Who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the system of the world? I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Faith Church. We're really glad you're here. If I haven't had the joy of meeting you personally yet. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here. And uh, whether you're tuning online and uh, traveling around because of Labor Day or you're here in the room, it really is a treat to, to be here with you today. Here at Faith Church, we have uh, really one goal, and that is to bring faith to life. We really want to help you belong to the family of God, become a disciple, and participate in building the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And we are a church that is in full pursuit of Jesus. Uh, we want to be a church that is uh, full court following the way of Jesus and walk in his ways. His ways are different than the ways of the world. And we believe this is a place where uh, we can experience and encounter the real Jesus in a way that helps us move after him. And uh, this, uh, this year, as a church, we've kind of had this one-word theme. This has kind of been our thought process, our, our focus for the whole year. And it's this word, practice. Can you say that with me? Say practice. Very good. And our, our hope is that we would discover the ways that Jesus would want us to walk that we would learn from scripture what it looks like to practice his teachings, and we would move forward in that way. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus tells this parable, and he says, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a really, really smart person who's building their life on the rock. And he contrasts it with somebody that he calls a fool. I didn't call you a fool, Jesus called you a fool. You're, you're a fool if you're not hearing his words and then putting them into practice. He says the person who's not practicing them is like the person who's building their life on sand. And how many of you know rains do come, winds do come, and storms show up in our lives? And depending on what we have been building our life on will depend on the sturdiness of our lives enduring a storm. And this year, we have had really one heartbeat, and that's to help us as followers of Jesus to learn the ways of Jesus and put them into practice so that when we face storms in our life, hashtag 2020, we can stand strong no matter what it is that we face because there is a faith that is unshakable and eternal. 
And uh, we've been looking kind of this year at one verse and kind of launching off of it into different thoughts and using it to help us learn the way of Jesus and learn how to practice. And, and this theme verse is in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through verse 31. These are, these are the words of Jesus. And he was asked this question, hey, uh, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? I mean, there was a lot of commands that the people of Israel had to obey. And he's like, so like, what's the most important one? And they were trying to trap him. And Jesus wasn't a fool or an idiot, and he kind of flipped it around on them and brought in something because what they were looking for was a specific law. What Jesus understood was the principle and the, the, the spirit behind the law. So Jesus understood the big picture to all of these things. And, and so he, he summarizes it, and he gathers their attention, and he points them in a direction, and he says this. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this, hear O Israel, he who hears these words of mine, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he is three in one. He is whom we worship and pursue. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. He, he goes on to say, here's, here's how it looks. If you're gonna love the Lord with everything you've got, it looks like this. Love the Lord with all your heart. We talked about that already this year. We talked about how that is the practice of worship. Worship is not just something we are entertained by on Sunday morning. Worship is something that we passionately participate in because we actually love God. We, we love God more than we think our personalities define what our worship should look like. We let the Lord define what worship and affection is rather than letting our personalities define what worship and affection is. He says we're gonna love him with all of our heart. That's the practice of worship. We're gonna love him with all of our soul. We said that that's the practice of prayer. How prayer is like the breath of our spirituality. It's the soul and it keeps us centered in a healthy way. The best soul care is a healthy prayer life. Let me say it again. The best soul care is a healthy prayer life. And so we talked about the practice of prayer. And then he says, we want to love God with all of our minds. We haven't talked about this one yet. At the end of, uh, at the, end of the year, our last collection that we're going to talk about is the practice of scripture study. I'm going to teach you why we believe the Bible. And I'm going to teach you how to study your Bible for yourself so that you can be a self-feeder throughout the week. Because if the only time you're feasting on the truth of God's words is on Sunday when I'm spoon-feeding it to you, then you are going to be anemic and your faith will be weak. And I don't want that. I want you to learn how to read the Bible and understand when Jesus is talking literally and when he's talking metaphorically, when he wants you to apply something. And, and we need to understand how the whole Bible is all of God's word and his story for us to know him better. So I want to teach you how to study the Bible and read scripture, that's gonna come later this year as we learn how to love God with all of our minds. And then we wanna love God with all of our strength. That's the practice of obedience. The practice of living out something that he says, walking in obedience, Jesus says. And then he says this in verse 31. The second commandment that is really, really important is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and says, well, I guess I got to love you. You're my neighbor today. Go ahead, tell them, I guess I got to love you. 
you're my neighbor today. If you're like, hey, can I pick my seat again? Hey, next service. I'm just saying, pick your seat a little more carefully. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says this, he goes on to say, there's actually no commandment greater than these. There, there's nothing of more weight and gravity and importance than, than these. And he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. For the next few weeks, we're going to uh, begin talking about loving your neighbor as you love yourself through the practice of hospitality. The practice of hospitality. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself is, could be summed up in this one word, hospitality. And we're going to unpack it and explore it, but I want to ask you a couple questions, and I, I don't need you to answer me, but I want you to answer yourself in your own mind. So it's a bit of a rhetorical question, but I want you to give it some thought. What length would you go in order to love yourself? Like, like, like what length would you be willing to go? Like, what, what hurdle would you cross in order to love yourself? Like, like, Think, think like it's, it's 9.30 at night and the Dairy Queen craving has hit. You're like, yeah, 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 I'm going to get some Dairy Queen. Now, let me ask you the next question. At what length would you go to love someone else? Let, let's go back to our Dairy Queen analogy. It's, it's 9.30 at night and your children ask you for Dairy Queen. That's an easy no. Like, I'm not going very far to love them. Like, the, the, the length of my love for them is to march them back downstairs and put them in bed. Like, this is the length of my love in this moment in time. But when it's something that we want, I'm speaking a little tongue-in-cheek, of course. When it's something that we want, we will often move heaven and earth and justify it in any which way we need to. And when it's someone else whom we actually do love and care about, but maybe not quite as much as we love ourselves, we may not be willing to jump through as many hoops and hurdles in order to get there. We often will allow convenience to determine our commitment of love to a person and to the people around us. And Jesus is asking us these important questions. And so as we unpack this idea of what is the practice of hospitality, I'm going to come at it from an angle that you probably have never heard and you've never probably would expect to hear it from. We're going to come at it from a unique angle over the next few weeks. And, and I believe it's going to be very refreshing and very life-giving and very, very practical as we unpack what does it look like to love God with all of our heart as we love our neighbor, as we love ourselves. And and I want us to define this idea of hospitality, the practice of hospitality. So if we're going to define it, let's go to the authority of all things. Let's go to the dictionary. Dictionary.com defines the word hospitality as this. The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. I would have been fine if they would have stopped at guests and visitors. Strangers. I mean, come on, it's 2021. Guests, visitors, or strangers. I think another word that it's important for us to understand is this word hospitable. It's a mouthful. You got to be really careful when you say it. Hospitable. It means this, friendly and welcoming to strangers or guests. An environment that is pleasant and favorable for living within. Friends, I, I believe that one of the hallmarks, 
one of the indicators, one of the pillars of what a church should be is hospitable. That the church ought to be an environment where people feel welcome no matter who they are. I think, let me take it a step further. I think that it ought to be the people of God who are hospitable in every environment. I think it ought to be the people of God who love God and serve him and recognize that loving others as much as we love ourselves means that we are willing to come along other people and to connect personally with them. I think the church ought to be a place where 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 we can meet someone at church and we interact with them. And within the first few minutes, we're like, here, let me pull out your phone. Let me give you my number. And why don't you call me on Friday and we'll pray together. But you just met them. I know. What if? What if, what if the church was the kind of place that in every environment, we were always widening our circle to make room for a, one more person to be engaged in our circle? It doesn't happen naturally for most people. It requires great intentionality for many of us to look and to say, you know what, let me, let me widen my circle and invite you in. Let me, let me pray with you. Let me, hey, I tell you what, let's go to coffee. Hey, hey, hey let, let's, let's, let's find somebody. What, what if you made it your goal that every Sunday you were gonna meet someone new and go to lunch with them? Lunch? Like make them pay for their food. You pay for your food. Like do the whole Dutch thing, that's fine. But like, what if you sat and got to know somebody? Well, I, I, Sunday, Sundays are for my family. Awesome. Widen your circle. But it's my family. I, I know. What if? What if? What, what, what if the people of God discovered what it looked like to always be opening our homes, always having a posture that's not moving away from, but rather opening stance to say, no, come on in. Let's talk a little bit. Let's connect a little. Let, let me hear your story. How did you get to Fort Scott? Oh, you grew up here? Awesome. I didn't grow up here. Let's talk about it. Let's engage. Let's learn. Let's, let's grow. Let's, let's encourage one another. Let's, let's, let's do more than just be friendly. Let's be family. I, I, can I tell you one of the prayers that we've been praying as a leadership team for, for, the, for really this, this year, this entire year, is that Faith Church would be a place where people don't just feel familiar with one another, that Faith Church would not be a place that's simply friendly with other people. Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Oh, yes, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you, but not really, because I really wish somebody else was sitting here. But I'm not going to tell you I wish somebody else was sitting here. I, pastor just made me say I'm glad I'm sitting next to you, so I'm going to be obedient and not rebellious. Like, What if Faith Church was a place where people came and sat down and like, you know, you're sitting in the same seat that you sit in every week, but you're still not talking to the same people that are sitting around you. What if you opened your mouth and said hello to somebody you don't know and you decided to go from being familiar in a face and being friendly? And what if you took it a step further and stopped just being friendly? You decided to act like family with them. We're beginning to see this unfold in front of our eyes week after week, week after week, and it's a beautiful thing. There's a, there's a small group of, of people, a connect group here at our church, where uh, there was a, a couple that attended our church one time, 
and uh, they had kind of known them. Uh, uh, they were kind of new to the community, and then something tragic happened in their lives, and it was unforeseen, and it wasn't good, it wasn't healthy, and everybody in that connect group, there, there were several people in that group that just sprung to action and started calling them and praying for them and say, hey, we're here with you. What can we do? We know you're new to the area. How? And they just wide open to welcome them in. What if they didn't come back a second time? I don't care. What if we just lived with an open and And now that family is a part of the church. They're, they're in. They, they love the spirit and the heart. They're in the small group with everybody. It's, it's a wonderful thing to see. Why? Because there was an individual who did not wait for a programmatic approach to do it. They just had a heart that said, wait a second. I want to love other people the way I would love myself. And I'm just going to go in. I'm going to be personable. And I'm going to be hospitable. And I'm going to show hospitality too. Someone else, what if? And Jesus said, there's actually no greater commandment than that. No, no greater commandment than that. I think it's an interesting thing that Jesus said no greater commandment because there were many commandments that were given. In fact, if you go all the way back, some of the most famous of the commandments are what we would know as the 10 commandments. And uh, the 10 commandments were a part of what is known as the civil law. There are three kind of sections of the law that God gave the people of Israel in the desert as they were wandering through that God gave Moses. There were things like the civil law, criminal law, and constitutional law. And that summarized all of the law that God had set out to them on how to live their life once they redeemed them and rescued them from, from Egypt as slaves. And the Ten Commandments were a part of what is known as the civil law. And, and you can find the entirety of the civil law in Exodus chapter 19 through Exodus chapter 23. That's kind of the, the whole sum. But, and right in the middle of it are the Ten Commandments. For the next several weeks, we're going to walk through these Ten Commandments. We're going to walk through them because these Ten Commandments weren't so much about... Um, getting a specific list of do's and don'ts. These 10 commandments were the 10, 10 important ways for them to get along on a nationwide camping trip. The children of Israel had just been freed from Egypt and they were about to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Setting up camp, tearing down camp having a tent so close to the next person that when they were in an argument, you were in the argument too. And the Ten Commandments were these road trip rules, camping trip rules for the people of God, guidelines to help them have peace and move forward in relationship. Because when you camp next to somebody for 40 years, you might want to kill them. When you're sitting in a camping trip for 40 years and someone else is better at building campfires than you are, and you're like, honey, how come Jim over there can build the campfire in the first five minutes, but you can't get the fire started in the first 20 minutes? Come on, honey, let's go. Why can't you be more like Jim? Oh, I wish I had me a man like Jim. And for 40 years, all you're doing is coveting something that you can't have. We're going to walk through these Ten Commandments and help us understand how we are to relate with one another, how we are supposed to love one another like we would love ourselves. Because Jesus said there's actually no greater commandment than that you would be able to love someone else 
that the relationship matters that much, that you understand what are proper guidelines for, for, for a relationship. I thought it would be fun today to uh, give you some of my own top 10 rules for a road trip. Some of you have traveled over the summer. Maybe some of you are out and about on Labor Day. But I thought since God gave them 10 commandments, I would give us 10, my 10 uh, rules for a successful family uh, trip. Here we go. Number 10 is this. Eat light on the road because gas station bathrooms are not to be counted on. Number nine, the navigator is just as important as the driver. Number eight, two drivers are better than one. Right? Here we go. My, my rules. No, number seven, top ten things to make sure you understand on a road trip is this. There are no unscheduled pit stops. And all the dads said, amen. Y'all are weak. You were sissy. You didn't say amen, but you wanted to say amen. You were waiting for the elbow. I know. It's all right. My wife's not in this service. Number six, don't hog the hotel bathroom. Number five, stay on schedule and on time. Come on, Jesus. We're going to have revival in a minute. We're going to have group counseling probably right afterwards. I don't know. Number four, here's, here's, this one could have been number one for me, but I put it as number four. Pack the essentials. If you can't carry it, you don't bring it. Number three, no messy, stinky, sticky foods or snacks in the car. And all the OCD clean people said, amen. See, I'm just saying, it's practical. Number two, the driver picks the music. It's a great rule. And number one, if you want to have a great road trip, number one, no silent stink bombs like a little bit of warning and then own it. That's all I ask. A little warning and then own it. Come on, people. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter five. Because here's where we find the, the 10 commandments, the rules for the road trip that they were on, the rules for healthy relationships, the, the boundaries that were necessary. Number one, uh, here we go, Deuteronomy 5, starting in verse 1. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountains. Listen, God is still a God that wants to be personally involved in your life. He still wants to speak face to face with you. The rules of the relationships with other people start with understanding that it is God who we should foster a healthy relationship with. And God longs to speak to you and meet with you and encounter you face to face. Not some religious rule system, not some legal approach to following God, not a bunch of do's and don'ts, but here's how you have a good relationship with God. He wants to meet with you face to face. Verse 5, at that time I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and didn't go up the mountain. And he said this, I am the Lord your God. 
who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. In other words, God wants you to know he is a God who can set you free. He is a God who can break off the chains that have held you back. He can help you overcome the addictions, get beyond the offense and the hurt and the pain and the bitterness. He can heal your heart. He's still in the delivery business, setting us free from sin and the life that has entangled us. Sometimes we need help getting beyond our past, don't we? This is why we have Freedom Connect Group, a group that meets to help you find the freedom that God longs to give you. A group of people who would love to help you grow in your freedom that Jesus brings. Some of you need to sign up for Freedom Group today before you leave. Helping you reconcile the past so you can move forward into your future with some freedom and the health and the life that Jesus promised because he always is bringing us out of slavery. And then here we get to to number one. Here's number one. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, there is one God. There are not many gods. There is one God. There is one God who saves you and one God who frees you. See, they had just spent hundreds of years in Egypt where they had a lot of gods. And every, and those of you who are familiar with the, the narrative of scripture, you'll, you'll remember that while they were stuck in Egypt, God sent Moses and then there were 10 plagues that came. And those 10 plagues were direct confrontations and face-offs with little gods that the Egyptians had. And he was reminding them, listen, I am your God. I am the God. I am God of all. I'm the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. There is no one higher and more mighty than me. I am one God. I am the God who saves you and frees you. I am the God that you can stand face to face and have a personal relationship with you. You don't need other pets. Like, I'm it. You can have a direct connection with God. There is only one God. He is the living God. And he desires for you to live in full pursuit of him. In other words, if you're going to have no other gods before God, that means God is someone you are full court press pursuing. None of this half court nonsense. None of this part-time follower of Jesus stuff. There's a full pursuit of him. Full time, not part time. All in, not just Sundays. That your Thursday worship is just as important as your Sunday worship. No other gods, full pursuit of him. These 10 commandments, I've said it already, are are kind of like the relationship goals these, these 10 commandments are part of the civil law that were all about helping a people, an uncivilized, unsettled group of people who are now finally free for the first time in hundreds of years, learning what does it look like to have healthy relationships. These are 10 boundaries of healthy relationships. Dr. Henry Cloud says it like this, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins. 
leading me to a sense of ownership, knowing that I am uh, to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Taking responsibility for my life opens up many different options. Boundaries help us keep good in and bad out. Setting boundaries inevitably involves taking responsibility for your choices. You are the one who makes them. You are the one who must live with their consequences. And you are the one who may be keeping yourself from making the choices you could be happy with. We must own our own thoughts and clarify distorted thinking. The extent to which people in a relationship can bring up and resolve issues is a critical marker of soundness of a relationships. God gave these commands to help them understand the boundaries of healthy relationships. To understand that if you're going to have no other God but God, what are the boundaries in your calendar you should have already in place to make sure you're not violating the priority of that relationship? Does your calendar reflect your priority of pursuing God as no one else but God? Or do you have other things on your day that definitely take a bigger priority than pursuing Him? Religion often gets us caught up in specifics and it misses the point. What was the point? What was the purpose of these Ten Commandments? Healthy relationships. See, Jesus understood the principle behind this specific law. So when they asked him what's the most important commandment of all the hundreds of commands that were given, including some of these 10, Jesus summarizes it and helps them see not just the specific law, but the spirit behind the law. Legalism wants to trap you in the specifics. Jesus wants to help you have a relationship so you get the spirit. He wanted his followers to understand and live in the same understanding. So he told stories to illustrate what is the spirit behind the specifics? What is the heartbeat behind the law? And one story that he told was in Matthew 25. He said it like this. He had told this story about sheep and goats and separating them. And then he says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and, and you came to visit me. Jesus is talking about the hospitality of the people of God. He goes on to say, then the righteous will answer him and say, uh, Lord, I, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When, when did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison and then go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you have done for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done for me. Here's the spirit behind loving God with everything and putting him first. Are you ready? Don't miss this. Here's the whole sermon in one sentence. Moving toward people with an open heart and open hand is moving towards God. When we move towards other people with an open hand and open heart, God said, you're actually moving closer to me in relationship with me. 
you're moving, moving. Whenever you take a COVID care package from the lobby and deliver it to someone that you know that is sick or homebound or in the hospital, you're moving towards, you're moving towards Jesus. There's this phrase, the least of these, the least of these, the least of these. And often we think about those as people who are like down and out, people who don't have something that we have. They have least of what we've got. I think that's an appropriate way to think about it, but I want to reframe it for just a minute. What if moving towards people who are the least of these is moving towards people that you think the least of? Maybe it's somebody of a different political thought process than you. You think very little of them. What if it's somebody who has a different um, citizenship status than you? And you think little of them. Let me flip it around. What do you think about rich Hollywood types? What do you think about the wealthy and the powerful? Whoever you think the least of are perhaps people that God wants you to learn how to love. And when we learn how to love people that we think the least of, God says, you're actually now in motion moving towards loving me better. As a church, we have an opportunity to show love in a very practical way through a program um, that's getting started in our local community college entitled Team Care. And I want to invite Jesse Brinson to come and share for just a minute. Can you welcome Jesse as he comes? Talk a little bit about Team Care. What's up, my man? Good morning. Good morning. You doing all right? I'm doing well. Jesse, doing why, well. Don't, uh, why don't you introduce your family and tell us just real quick thumbnail kind of about who you are. Outside of myself, my only other family member here. Go ahead and stand up, son. Um, I, like to, I like to call it my retirement. <laughs> no, <laughs> just joking. That's Zeb. Zeb is our 13-year-old son. Uh, my wife, Tori, is currently mirroring someone or shadowing someone in the uh, children ministry, and then we have uh, Ayana and Isabel, uh, so 13, uh, 11, and 8, and so those are our three biological kids. We've had other kids live with us throughout the years yeah. that are older now and, and uh, taking care of their own business, and so awesome, uh, I'm from inner city Houston. I end up uh, walking around playing at KU, and my wife is just from outside of Emporia, uh, Kansas, the middle, literally the middle of nowhere, and we met on, uh, yeah, and we met on farmersonly.com. <laughs> and so, no, we didn't. Uh, it was, it was black people meet. But um, we've been married 16 years. She, when she hears it, she's not gonna be happy. When she, uh, we've been married 16 years and have been in full-time ministry for uh, uh, 16 plus years. She's been in uh, about um, a couple years more than I have, and That's so awesome. uh, we recently moved from Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, any rock chalk people in here? We oh, okay. first game in 13 games that we won. Anyone else see that? Anyone as excited as I? <laughs> so I um, uh, just recently moved here June 2nd to uh, continue um, working for Call to Greatness, the ministry we work for. It's a church-based ministry based out of Lawrence, but it has different chapters throughout uh, Kansas. So, that's awesome. yeah, that's the We're really excited to have Jesse and his family a part of our church that kind of made a commitment to, to be here. And we're, mm -hmm. we're thrilled to have them in the house. and. One of the opportunities that we have coming up that uh, their ministry is kind of uh, walking and carrying and kind of carrying the torch for is this idea of team care. And yeah. I want you to tell us kind of real quick what team care is and then how, how maybe we can be a part of it. 
Yeah, um, and so uh, Team Care, I think many of you have probably heard of the adoptive family that Fort Scott Community College had at some time. And so one of the things that really helped Tori and I, we both gave our lives to Christ on the college campus uh, through a ministry like called The Greatness. And But the discipleship process, that growth process, that loving process came through people inviting us to their homes regularly, uh, being a part of their family activities uh, as an athlete when they would invite me over for food say no more i'm there so so things like that and so what we decided to do is one uh especially through the help of uh, coach carson and him inviting us to be a part of what he was doing there with the football program we wanted we all we came up with this idea for team care which is adopting a student athlete and it's particularly the uh, someone from the football team and the commitment is a year long and what we're asking people to do is to pray to build, I'm sorry, to love, to build and support one of the student football players. Uh, pray just means to love, uh, care package, you know, you know, whatever you could think of to, that would make that student feel loved. Two would be to build, have some type of dinner or lunch with them, whether at your home or uh, out to eat somewhere. And then the third one is to support, attend one or two games, because there's nothing more than an athlete loves than someone in the stands, hey, number 81, or you know, whatever that number is. And yeah. so, and, and that's a year long commitment, even though the games don't go a year long, but being involved in their lives while they're here for a year long. And so that's what team care is and what we're inviting people to do. And, and uh, we know that there's a uh, sign up on the homepage, um, uh, the, on, the hub. on the central hub. And then also I think uh, you'll be able to text, not that I think, you will be able to text a number, team care, and then from there, you uh, there will be a response coming back to your phone with a registration link for you to get signed up. And from there, we'll connect yeah. you with one of the student athletes. That's so good. It, it, and so there's a group of athletes that have said, yeah, we, we'd actually really like to be a part of a host family of some kind. Mm -hmm. And so it really is something that we want you to pray about. And as a church, I really want us to get behind this and take this opportunity to do it, to just not only pray for the kids, but to love on them, get to know them a little bit and give them a safe space and an outlet to engage in interaction here while they're here in Fort Scott during this season. And you can see the number and the keyword team care, all, no space, all right there. You can text it into 620-604-9280. Uh, if you have other questions, you can talk with Jesse right afterwards. You can go to our central hub and read a little bit more about what it is. How, how do you get involved? They're going to pair you up with a student who kind of has some similar likes, some board games that you like to play. So, and all that will be asked in the registration, in the sign-up process to get to know a little bit about you, your family, and them as well. And um, that way, you, in other words, you're not going to be assigned a student who doesn't want to be a part of a family. There, you're going to get a student who actually is waiting on you. And there's a, over 80, 85, 86 85 students, guys, yeah, right uh, young guys who are, who are looking for a, a space. And how many so far have we uh, are sponsored? We got 15 mm -hmm. covered. So there is great opportunity yes. for you to put to practice this idea of showing and practicing hospitality in a real tangible way. Can we thank Jesse? Thanks, Jesse. Yep. Appreciate you, my man. Again, he'll be out there. You can ask him some questions and different things throughout the day if you'd like. And I really want us to encourage to lean in a really obvious way. I know my family and I, we're, we're planning to participate in this. Um, hospitality is not something that comes naturally to me. It is something that my wife and I have to be very intentional about. We will spend time often, hey, who are the families? Who are the people that we need to connect with, that we need to make sure is on our radar right now? We're, we're, we often have this conversation. Who do we need to 
get together with dinner? Who do we need to go hang out with? Who do we need to reach out to? Who are the people? It's not a natural thing for us. We have to make a plan. We have to be intentional about it. And then when we invite people to dinner, we have to make sure they know they're not in trouble. They're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> We're like, no, no, really, it's okay. We actually just wanted to hang out. Let's play some games. We have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. We have a tendency to go what is, to what we know and to go in. But as people of God, following the ways of God, if we're going to love God and put him first, it requires us to face outward towards others. Why? Because moving towards people is moving towards God. Will you stand with me as we come to a time of response and a moment of communion? Again, maybe for you, a real practical thing this week is to sign up for a connect group and say, okay, I'm going to get to know other people. Maybe it's to invite somebody into your connect group. Maybe it's team care. This is an opportunity for you. If you have your communion elements, would you go ahead and just peel off the top layer, pull, pull it all back. We can get all the wonderful sounds out of the way so nobody feels awkward about making noise, opening communion. Then go ahead and open up the second layer. And just hold on to them just for a minute. And I want you to close your eyes. And he, as we take just 10 seconds and we linger in a moment of silence before we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, we, we remind ourselves every week as we take these elements into our body that our commitment is to embody the life and the message and the person of Jesus in our community everywhere we go. So our prayer today is, Holy Spirit, how can we embody that this week? Would you just ask the Holy Spirit that question? Holy Spirit, what, what are you saying to me today? How can I embody these things moving forward? Father, today we believe you, we've heard your word. So, Lord, help us to hear your word and obey your word and put it into practice this week. Lord, as we hear at your table, we remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus made moving himself outward for the world and showing us how love looks like. So today, Lord, we remember and commit to live after you in all things. And it's your grace that we receive at this table that helps us to do that. Let's take the bread, which is his body. And the juice, which represents his blood. Now, Father, today, I pray a blessing over your people. I pray, Lord, that you would help us love you with a whole heart. Lord, help us love others as we love ourselves. And Lord, one of the ways we can love others is by simply loving you and moving towards you. But moving towards you requires us moving towards others that we often think the least of in our lives. Jesus, help us love like you love, serve like you serve, as we learn how to practice hospitality this week. We thank you, Lord, for this time together as a family at your table. 
I ask, Lord, that you would bless and keep us, make your face shine on us, be gracious to us. Would you lift your countenance towards us and give us peace? And Lord, I pray that this week, everywhere we would go, we would be remembered that we are radically loved by you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all the people of God said, amen.